0: number one sports talk show is on and now starting an hour earlier welcome inside the radio octagon this is the sports cage on 620 ckrm filling in for michael ball here's sean Kleisinger.
1: all right let's get this show rolling it's a tuesday for saskatchewan lotteries bringing communities together Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today alongside my friend Blaine Wyland across the board. As Ballsy is resting his uh, his vocal cords because he has a big game to call on Sunday. We need the man healthy for it. So that is why you hear my voice right now and not Michael Ball's. And uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. A lot going on across the Canadian Football League. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, the head coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley, will be joining us next segment because his team came away with a nice win over the weekend. A bit of a scare at some point. Some points, I guess I should say, throughout that game against the Calgary Colts on Sunday. But the Thunder are 1-0. and 0. Heroes and Zeros with our friend Don Hewitt just after 3.30, and a lot more as well. The regular spot for Glenn Suter at 5.35. Ryder Varga, former University of Regina Ram linebacker, now with the BC Lions, of course, will be joining us after the 5 o'clock news. And A.J. Allen of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders at 4.35, right on these very airwaves. And don't forget to text us up anytime on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306- nine three six six two six two anything on your mind feel free we could be your counselors today let's talk you through it anything you want to get off your chest just uh pick up your phone unless you're driving of course pick up your phone and send in a text and myself and blaine wyland will uh humor you we'll talk with you all about it and later on today we will be playing Sastel pick the score as well and just a whole lot happening on today's show. And as always, our guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can order the Rough Rider Suite Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name in for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite next uh, next season, which was is- Pretty, sounds pretty good to me. I wish I can enter in and win that. So, yeah, I already mentioned it, a lot happening in the Canadian Football League today and would be absolutely out to lunch if I did not start to show off with this today. The Edmonton Elks announced Tuesday that the club has mutually parted ways with President and CEO Victor quee effective immediately. So that is, well, we've been kind of hearing the murmurs if you will, hearing the word on the street throughout the last couple of days, but it is official now. And without further ado, let's hear it right from the horse's mouth, the chairman of the board of directors, Tom Richards, with his media release today.
2: Yesterday
3: the board of directors mutually agreed that Peter Crewe would resign his position as president and CEO effective immediately. This was a culmination of ongoing discussions between the board and Victor as well as the board internally about the future of the club. As a board, we thank Victor for his contributions to the club and wish him all the best in his future endeavors. Today is a difficult day for everyone within the organization and I want to stress that the outcome of the last several weeks was not taken lightly by anyone. I would like to personally thank Victor for his professionalism throughout the process as the board worked to find an outcome that was in the best interest of all parties. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me first address uh, the immediate management of the club. The board will not be naming an interim president and CEO today. However, the process to fill that interim position has commenced. We expect to have an interim president and CEO in place within the next two to three weeks. This individual will be a hire external to our current staff. In the interim, the club's senior management team will lead the club's day-to-day business operations while Chris Jones will continue to oversee football operations. Until an interim president and CEO is named, I will be available to consult with the senior leadership team and provide guidance as needed. I will also rely on other members of the board for their expertise to help guide the club. It's important for me to emphasize that we have the utmost confidence in the senior management team here. They will carry on the key business of the club. Committed and talented group who are the engine of the businesses that are within the business. That often go unnoticed. I look forward to working with them collaboratively in the coming weeks as we focus on a successful end of the 2023 season. In terms of a search to find a permanent president and CEO, that process will begin shortly. As a board, we understand the importance of finding the right person to lead our organiza- organization back to. We understand the importance of leading the organization back to prominence is, is really it's a must. We've got to get this team back on top again. We understand we will not rush the process. We will take the necessary time to commit to making sure we've got the right person in place by the end of the year to guide us towards a successful 2024. In closing, I would like to emphasize that our club has faced parallel challenges over the last several years, whether it be a lost season in 2020, shortened season in 2021, or on-field difficulties. It's been a challenge, it's been a challenging period for everyone who loves the green and gold. As a proud member, We've always relied on our fans to fuel us. We call on Edmonton to continue their support and join us for one-of-a-kind experiences that are available here at Commonwealth Stadium.
1: That's the voice of Tom Richards. He's the chair of board of directors for the Edmonton Elks talking about, uh, well, parting ways with Victor Cui. It is official. Victor Cui no longer in Edmonton, and that is the news of the day across the Canadian Football League. So the search is on to find a replacement for Victor Cui to take over this 0-9 Edmonton Elk squad. And Edmonton has taken that 0-9 record into Hamilton to kick off week 11 this week. That's a Thursday nighter. So uh whew. next time you feel like, you know, we have a the worst here in Rider Nation after a big time loss against Montreal. Not even close to what's happening in Edmonton right now. I mean, we got four wins at least, Blaine Wyland. We're four and five and Much would rather be a Rough Router fan right now than Edmonton Elks fan. With that said, I do hope they get it turned around for the sake of the league, but uh, it's not looking really good right now. City of Champions? Yeah, City of Champions. I say that
4: with a question mark, like, you know, City of Champions? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not right
1: now, no. I don't don't think you can say that anymore. So uh, I don't know where they're going to go. You heard it there from Tom Richards. No announcement is going to be coming anytime soon. Maybe within the next month or so, we will know, but... And just to kind of add this on to it, because I know a lot of
4: people, you know, Victor Cui is, uh, paint, like, uh, a lot of people were impressed. I think outside the community were impressed with him and, like, really liked a lot of the ideas he got. But I'm just going to pull up a tweet that came out shortly after announcement from the Game Ops coordinator. That's Nick Pelche. And this is what he said after the announcement. And then I saw there was a tweet beforehand saying there was extreme frustration within the organization. This is coming from Nick Pelje. He said, quote, toxic work environment. Employees being bullied or told how terrible they are at their jobs daily. No chance for compromise when you when you talk with the man, his way or the highway.
1: Well, dinner on Delta. Wow. Well, there you have it. I mean, uh, that is uh, from someone who used to work within the Edmonton Elks organization. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say for sure this is what happened. But, you know, it makes you wonder when, you know, former employees are stating stuff like this that you kind of lean towards. okay, maybe stuff like that was happening, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know make a verdict on this thing all i know is victor Quee. he never won a home game in his tenure with the edmonton elks can you believe that that must be like really you know he's he's leaving the facility without a w Without a W at Commonwealth Stadium, like, that must not sit well on his belly. Yeah,
4: the fact he didn't get one, and I think that was his main goal. I mean, look at the whole uh, the guaranteed win night. That's obviously still going on this season. That started off with Week One against the Rough Riders. Uh, some fans got some free tickets this season because of the Elks McFortunes. Not sure if they're even cashing them in at this point. But uh, yeah, it is uh, quite the ugly situation going on. See,
1: I- after hearing that, uh, like tweet you read like beforehand, I was. I was kind of like feeling. I don't know if I should feel this way, but I was kind of like feeling sorry for the guy in a way because a, a lot of stuff that we've heard, we've talked to him a number of times in the sports cage. Like, it seemed as though, like, he was really putting in the work he was trying to get the butts in the seats he was trying to build a winning organization it just didn't work out so from the outside looking in from that aspect of things you know you can't help but feel kind of sorry for the guy but there's always you know another side of the story maybe there's some things that we don't know such as the tweet that you read and if there's more that goes into it if it's you know if that rings true, then maybe I shouldn't feel uh, sorry for the guy. But from that aspect of things, you know, I think maybe his way was he had it locked in his head of his way of doing things and it just wasn't working out. And obviously it did not sit well with a lot of people. So I don't know. Do you feel sorry for Victor Qui at all? Uh maybe a tiny
4: bit, but like you said, with all these lot of stores that come out there's I hate to use this term right now, considering the way the world's going around, but where there 's smoke there's fire mm-hmm. and uh well there's a lot there 's a lot of smoke uh, you know developing outside of Edmonton, I guess you know figuratively uh
1: with the Elks right now, yeah, so once again, the Edmonton Elks announced today that the club has. Mutually parted ways with President and CEO Victor Quee effective immediately, and you just heard uh, Tom Richards there. He's the chair of board of directors for the Edmonton Elks, and he said that the search is on for the replacement. And he did say that the replacement will come from outside of the building, so it will it will not be an internal hire. It will be a quote unquote external. It won't be Chris Jones. Oh yeah, imagine Chris Jones walks into the office. I want this job too. Well, so um, uh, sa- where's my lumberjack? It saves all the football softs. Yeah. Even though it doesn't count, but I you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm just joking though. Mad respect to Chris Jones. Uh, although I, I do feel like ah, I won't go there. That's a subject for another day. But uh hey, so that's the news of the day, and there's a whole lot else going on. Yes, it's not just Emmett and Elk's happening. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have an off day today. And uh well, I was gonna say a well deserved off day, and I'll just say it, yeah, well-deserved off day, you know? It's time to rest up. It's time to, you know, get the mind right, get the body right. We have a big game coming up here on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. The BC Lions are coming into town, and I think I mentioned it already, but Ryder Varga, the linebacker for the BC Lions, former U of R Ram, will be joining us in Hour 3 to kick off Hour 3 after the 5 o'clock news. So the Riders off today. I believe they're back on the practice field tomorrow. And we'll have some rider audio for you tomorrow once uh, you know practice wraps up. So the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, will be taking on the BC Lions. And once again, it's the last game of the week, week 11 in the CFL. So it's Edmonton-Hamilton on Thursday. Friday is Winnipeg and Calgary. And Saturday, Montreal's and Edmonton to take on the Red Blacks. So once again, save the best for last, baby. Saskatchewan Rough Riders at home versus the BC Lions uh, to wrap up the week. And... Another local football team, the Regina Thunder, they kicked off their season on the weekend in Calgary, and a lot of people were expecting a blowout, you know, of Tom Higgins, Tom Higgins, and a funny story, I don't want to get off track here, but funny story about Tom Higgins, well, it's funny to me at least, maybe it's funny to some of our listeners, I'll tell it anyway. Uh, My family and I went to see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play the then Edmonton Eskimos at Commonwealth Stadium in 2001. And uh, on the cover, and this kind of ties in, uh, Blaine, to what we were kind of planning on talking about later on in the show. But walking into the stadium, I looked over, and Tom Higgins was then the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, and Tom Higgins was on the cover of the game day program. And then uh, the guy selling the program was like, Get your game day program here. Tom Higgins is on the cover. And then a guy in front of me wearing an Edmonton Eskimos jersey was like, who's Tom Higgins? (laughs) (laughs) So people didn't even know who Tom Higgins was back then when he was the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. But no, all kidding aside, my, my dad still brings that up with me once in a while. He was like, remember when that one Edmonton fan didn't even know who Tom Higgins was? Now, maybe he was just, you know, being Goofy the fan. You know, maybe he was just you know, being a clown or whatever. But the point is, Tom Higgins is now in Calgary with the Calgary Colts, and the Regina Thunder beat those Calgary Colts uh, on the weekend. And we will talk with the head coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley, on the other side of this break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your
0: team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty
1: 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage, and yeah, I still have that Tom Higgins program, by the way. Funny, I always remember that. Maybe it's not as funny as I think it is, but I just thought that was so hilarious. Oh, I got some more Higgins. I
4: got another story, but what? we got enough. Well, not enough time. Yeah. I'll tell you
1: my other Higgins story later. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm going to put my feet up when you tell it. I want to hear this uh, Tom Higgins story. Uh, hey, let's talk with the head coach. Of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley on the Western Pizza Hotline. After back-to-back undefeated 8-0 regular seasons, the Thunder, they're off to a nice 1-0 and start here in 2023. A 36-20 to win in Calgary over the Colts this past weekend. And Calgary got out to an early lead. They were winning 7-3, to I believe, at the end of the first quarter. But then Carter Moberg connected with running back Ryland Likert for a touchdown, then things started to get rolling in the right direction. Head coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley here. And uh, so, Scott, there was a nice quarterback competition in training camp. How do you grade Carter Moberg's performance on Sunday after uh, one game in the bank?
2: Yeah, he
5: he played outstanding. He did a great job. Um, What I was really happy about was seeing him manage the clock Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the game. Calgary didn't have a a 20-second clock, so you kind of had to go off verbal cues from the referees, and he did a great job with uh managing clock and running it down but when you look at his play uh he made all the right reads and he delivered the ball we had some draw balls that would have definitely extended drives and probably scored two or three more touchdowns so uh we were happy with this play
1: did i just hear there wasn't a play clock in calgary where where'd you guys play out in a barnyard or what, what was going on no play clock
5: yeah, well, there, there there is a score clock. Yeah, yeah. There's no twenty second twenty second clock. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's, wow, it's, it's not how it should be.
1: No, when that true.
5: happens, uh, <laughs> referees will verbally will notify everybody and give them the communication.
1: Well, so overall, as a team, uh, give us a rundown on how you think your squad played. Some things you liked and some things maybe you didn't like.
5: You no, know, like well, I think our offense did a did it had an outstanding game. They they moved the ball uh consistently. Um, you know, our offensive line was absolutely violent that game, you know, making some uh pretty devastating blocks and being able to run pretty much uh, whenever we want to. But uh you know, though I guess the one thing on offense that like we were extremely happy with, with everything that happened there. The only thing that uh sort of stopped us from scoring probably another twenty one points was uh some drop balls and some penalties that uh, you know are easily fixable in regards to holding or making sure our receivers sort of stay on time and are on side, and that sort of comes with uh, time and effort and more experience. We had some young guys like uh, Lucas Tiario that was playing his first ever post high school game. Um, once those guys get a little bit more season and stuff, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be uh, moving the ball pretty good. And then on defense, like pretty happy with our adjustments. Uh, communication, things like that. But again, we we took some stupid penalties. Just guys, you know, trying to read the waggle of the uh, receivers and with their blitzes, and not getting their eyes on the ball or their man triggers, and, and going offside. So, uh, just 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 a bunch of penalties. It was unbelievable on both sides of the ball with the amount of penalties that were were thrown that game.
1: Hey, coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, you guys will now head back to Alberta for Week Two here to take on the 0-1 Edmonton Wildcats. The Wildcats, I saw, received a thumping from the Hilltops. I think it was like 50 to two. Uh, is there anything uh, within your schedule this week, Scott, that you know might differ compared to other weeks as far as practice and whatnot? I ask because it's you know it's not often you'll have back-to-back long road trips like this.
5: Well, we, we we're we actually planned it out this way, or wanted planned, planned it out this way. Like mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year, everyone's excited to get on the bus and travel, and be with the boys. And you know, getting our our two long road trips out of the way. Um, you know, now we're going to be home. You know, four yeah. times, and Winnipeg and Saskatoon. Those are short, easy trips. So you know, like we're we're actually excited to get back on the road. Nothing will change. We'll still prep the same. Uh, guys aren't tired yet. I think they're still excited to. Mm-hmm. to to get back to the field and get working for this upcoming week and then also get back on the road.
1: Yeah, going back to the game in Calgary, uh, give our fans a few players on your squad that really uh, stood out on film. It's easy to look at the stat sheet here and say, oh yeah, this guy balled out. Look at those stats. But for those who didn't watch the game, who is uh, Scott McCauley's week one unsung hero, if you will?
5: I I give it to our offensive line. Our offensive line was dominant. Hmm. They they did a great job protecting the quarterback and like I said earlier, like, they were absolutely violent on run game blocks. And a uh, guy, Riley Shick, that's on the Ryder PR, sort of led the way. I thought those guys were outstanding. Uh, you look at Ryan Liker, like, he ran for, what, like 140 yards or something like that again. Like, he was absolutely on fire. Uh, Lucas Sierra, I already mentioned his name. Uh, Ricky out of Lebolus, he had a great game, making some key plays. And we had, we had, uh, we had an injury right before, uh, two nights before we traveled. And uh, he actually moved positions and took over the position that Ryland Sokol had played. Oh, yeah. He was a CGFO all-star, a guy that we relied on quite a bit. So he's playing a new position, and he did an same job there. And then on defense, um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that were making plays, but um, Adam King really runs the show there in regards to yeah. all our checks. And then the last guy was uh, Sean Green. Sean Green's our new kicker that took over for Max uh, Eric Maximic
2: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, Eric Maximic, those are some big shoes to fill, field and that guy did an outstanding job 3 for 3 on field goals his kickoffs were absolutely amazing driving that ball down the field to about the 5 yard line and uh, did a great job with
1: oh. the, uh, the punts as well. So, Yeah, so you've been around a lot of great teams over the past number of years here. I know we are only one weekend, but the, uh, this team has been together for a while now, you know, through spring and fall camp, and now the game in Calgary. Different players in some spots, like you just mentioned. So what's the overall feel of this team here in 2023? Are you getting the same type of vibes as years prior, or is it kind of fresh? You know what I mean? Yeah,
5: like, uh, we 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 feel like we have a very similar team to 2022. Yeah, um, we do have some some key guys like also you lose a, a starting quarterback and Carter Schuchat, but a guy like Carter Moberg, there's some things that he can do that Carter Schuchat can do, you know. Um But then there's also some things that Carter brought to the game, like his leadership traits and things mm-hmm. like that. That Moberg will eventually will learn and develop. But you know, uh, we we just feel like we're very very similar to 2022, and we just got to continue to focus on each week as we are young,
1: Uh,
5: but there's still a lot of uh, veterans that are back this year that can help guide the team in the right direction.
1: Hey, can't wait for the home opener, too. August 27th with Winnipeg in town. First up, another big road trip coming up in Edmonton versus them, Wildcats. So, uh, safe travels. Best of luck this weekend, Scott. We'll be tuned in.
5: All right. thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: That's the head coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley, on the Western Pizza Hotline, and uh, his Thunder are 1-0 and to start the 2023 campaign. We are going to hit the break. On the other side, we have Don Hewitt waiting in the wings. Football 101, it's Don Hewitt's heroes and zeros heading into this big game on Sunday versus the visiting BC Lions. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And Cougars in the Cage is brought to you by Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Quappell. And the University of Regina women's basketball head coach Dave Taylor announced that guard Keanu Weens has committed to the Cougars for her final season of U Sports eligibility. Originally from Regina, Weens graduated from Michael A. Riffle High School in 2017. And has played for four seasons at Trinity Western in Langley, British Columbia at TWU. And Weens really developed into a high scoring guard who put up over 12 points per game in her third season and up that average to 13 points per contest in 2021-2022. And it gets even more interesting from there. Weens played professionally last season, averaging seven and a half points in 26 games. Play for the Jolly Jumpers in the top division of the Netherlands. Head coach Dave Taylor said, It's rare when you can add someone with four years of Canada West experience like Kiana has. And the fact that it's a homecoming for her makes it extra special for our program. She's a high character player that will be great in the community and on the court. She's a perfect fit for our style of play given her three-point shooting and her talent in the pick and roll game. That's in quote from head coach Dave Taylor cannot wait for the season. Welcome home. Keanu Weens of Regina, Saskatchewan, women's basketball. Featured today on Cougars in the Cage.
0: This is Football 101. A look at CFL news and notes with the professor, Don Hewitt.
1: It's 3.36. Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today alongside Blaine Weil. News of the day. Victor Quee is out in Edmonton, and we have a text on the Capital GMC text line 3069366262 it's from Hal. How you doing Hal? Hal says, "Hey guys, since the rebranding of the Eskimos to the Elks, I feel this really alienated a lot of loyal Elks fans." And Hal goes on to say, "How does a president deal with that plus the terrible on-field performance and a coach who is a prima donna so much for the Evil Empire. That's from hell on the text line. Keep the text coming. 306-936-6262. And let's talk with our friend Don Hewitt on the Western Pizza Hotline for Huey's Heroes and Zeros. But before we get into that, Don, I'm going to tell you something that maybe you don't know. And I just found it out a few minutes ago. Did you know that? the? I, I, I probably don't. <laughs> uh, did you know that the Regina Thunder and the Calgary Colts played a football game this weekend without... Alt- uh, without a play clock. No play clock. The ref was, you know, in the quarterback's ear saying like 10 seconds, 8 seconds, 6 seconds. We're in 2023, and there's a football game being played without a play clock. What are your thoughts on that?
6: <laughs> well, that's too bad. I mean, that's that's well, not great. Uh, I don't know all... You know, what was going on with the issues,
1: Singer? Do you know? I mean, no, what I, basically, now? there was just no room on the score clock for it, Don. It was just that old school. Oh, I think okay. they were playing out in a barnyard somewhere. Like I said, I asked Scott, were you guys playing out back in a barn? Like, what is this? But I think, you know, our great facility a Liable Field, I'm pretty sure we have a play clock. I just think that's, like, so weird. But, uh, Don, the big news of the day <laughs> is uh, Victor Qui. Victor Cui is out right. in Edmonton. And, you know, you hear you hear the buzz around Ryderville after the <sighs> loss in Montreal, how bad, you know, Ryder fans have it. But hold hold your, hold your, hold your horses, Don. We're a four-win football yeah. team, not even close to what's happening in Edmonton right now.
6: Well, it's interesting because with heroes and zeros, of course, we usually do two heroes, two zeros, you mm-hmm. know, Zinger. Uh, but because of the... Uh, so much negativity going on, mainly in Edmonton, but also Saskatchewan, a little bit of league scheduling, I've had to go to three zeros and only one hero. Wow! It's unprecedented, it's historic, I know, Oh, wow! uh, I'm sure this is probably shocking a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and it's likely shocking nobody, but
2: uh, I had to go to the three zeros, and the
6: first zero ties right in with... Uh, that subject matter, Zinger, and that, that is number one zero—is the Edmonton Board, the Edmonton Executive Board, that constantly are making mistakes over and over again. Let's go to your text to start with. Uh, the Elks, the Elks name that the board decided to change—it's uh, I think top three for the worst uh, nickname for sports team in North America. I think Alex could be worse. The other two would be the Guardians and the Pelicans, uh, and Major League Baseball and the NBA. Those three are absolutely awful. You know, I was up in Saskatoon about a month ago golfing with uh, former broadcaster Dale Isaac, mm. yeah. and uh, who a lot of listeners would know. And I was talking to a guy in the clubhouse that lived seven, eight years in the north, a couple of different locations, knew Inuit people very well, knew a lot of uh, a lot of people all over the north very well and he said they loved the term eskimos and when the football team asked them uh do you want to change they said no they like calling themselves eskimos they find that it's a term of endearment for them and uh so you know there i don't know if there's any reason why you actually had To change that name if if the people you're changing it for don't want to change. I mean, they could have had a name, say, like the Edmonton Energy. Well, people who are worried about the environment didn't like the oil and gas connotation, so they caved in. Well, guess what? There's clean energy, there's nuclear energy, there's body energy. What about the Oilers? What's that all about? Nobody minds that. So why did this board cave in when they have That's a sensational history in the CFL with the name Eskimos. I don't get it. So there's the first, there's one of the first errors. Then, I mean, they wanted Chris Jones to come in as the head coach and general manager. Bring in Wally Bono as a consultant. Well, the fact is the chairman of the board badly wanted Jones. uh, Regardless of what Wally was saying, and I don't know what Wally was saying, but it was the chairman of the executive board the one of Chris Jones. Well, here's what he forgot. The problem Chris Jonesinger has as a coach is that he has Chris Jones as a general manager. That's his problem. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I think Chris Jones still has a good defensive mind. I don't doubt it for a minute, but he doesn't have the players because Chris Jones, the general manager, can't bring in the players. And uh, so it was just a terrible mistake right there and then, again by the board. Now we have Victor Quee. Another problem for Edmonton, there's lots of rumors going on about what was going on with Victor Quay. You certainly couldn't go on the air with what you hear because you don't have it substantiated. But, you know, he was fired with cause, let's say that. I'm pretty sure we can say that he was fired with cause. And so the Edmonton board, if you make bad decisions at the board level, it all trickles down to the field. Now, that's any board, be it Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, or Edmonton, the three publicly-owned teams. The board has to know what they're doing, or or there could be problems. And so the number one zero of the three today, Zinger, is the Edmonton Executive Board.
1: And what's number two, Don?
6: Number two, how about... The CFL schedule for Saskatchewan in 21 days, from July 22nd to August 11th, I believe Mm. it was. 21 days they go to Vancouver, all the way across to Halifax, back to Saskatchewan to play a game in Regina, then all the way back to Montreal again. 21 days and uh, a short week to prepare for Montreal, one practice. Uh, You know, it, it was brutal. I have to give Saskatchewan, some excuse for the Montreal game uh, for that schedule. The good news is for Rough Rider fans is the schedule is pretty much uh, okay the rest of the way in terms of the number of days between games. But my third zero tying in with that and not totally tied in with that is the rider performance in Montreal. You have to give the whole club, the whole organization really a zero because that game was worse than it should have been with a backup Montreal quarterback, backup running back, going roughshod and running roughshod literally over the Saskatchewan defensive front and defense. And you know what, Zinger? There's no problem repeating the on-field issues and possibly coaching issues that the team has over and over again, but it all combined together in Montreal, and you know, it really was embarrassing for fans Players and coaches, along with Rough Rider management, it was embarrassing.
2: Yeah, and I, the
6: game was not up to the standard that Rough Rider fans should expect. Go ahead, Zinger.
1: No, yeah, I do want to talk to you about uh, the upcoming game this weekend, and maybe a little more about uh, that after. Though you give us your hero because we need some good we need some good vibes here, Don. We're getting a little depressed here hearing all these zeros. But give us a hero in Don right. Hewitt's book.
6: And I'm glad we're going to talk about the BC game after this last hero, Mm -hmm. too. Well, the heroes are definitely uh, people who stayed and watched the entire Montreal game and are going to Sunday's home game versus BC. The diehards, the people and the fans that are the diehards are the team's lifeblood. And without these fans, this team would would not exist now. It would have been folding long ago. Uh, There's no question about it because there's a band of fans that just will not give up. And these fans, don't ever kid yourself, they're very disappointed because they care more than anybody else. They're disappointed right now. But that disappointment will never stop them from supporting the Rough Riders. And, you know, I think of the movie, I was thinking sort of in the movie Gladiator. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah.
1: One of the best movies. 2000, I think it came out. Two thousand one,
6: right? Two thousand. I think you're right now. Yeah. If you remember Oliver Reed, the actor, he's talking to the gladiators. He's sort of a slave trader or something like that, and he looks at the gladiators and he says, "Knowing that they're most of them are going to their death, mm-hmm. I salute you." And I, I sort of feel the same way about the Die Hard rider fans. I salute you. Yeah, you are the loyalists. You are the skeleton the muscle the the heart the soul of this team that you won't give up and every fan that's in the stands sunday night in bc i wish i was oliver reed and could say i salute you for not giving up
1: yeah well, let's, the ta- let's let's talk about that game sunday dawn bc lions coming to town and uh, what's your overall thoughts going into this game? The Riders are seven and a half point underdogs on home turf. What do you think? Got one. Uh, got thirty seconds, by the way.
6: They have to show a lot of spirit and fight, and give it everything they've got. Jake Dolagala, this is his second year here. Mason Fine's been here three. We just saw Drew Brown with a huge comeback in Edmonton. You know, leading Winnipeg, Saskatchewan has to show that they know what they're doing. When they kept a quarterback like Dola Gallagher two years and Fine three years, and they have to show fight. And if they don't, then there's serious issues going on here.
1: Don Hewitt, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you in the pregame show on Sunday. You bet. Thanks, Zinger. Have a good one. You too, my friend. That's Don Hewitt, Huey's Heroes and Zeros, here on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage. We're going to head to break. More on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
0: It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio,
1: 620 CKRM. 350 here on this smoky, been saying that a lot this summer, smoky Tuesday here in the Queen City. I'm Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today and Blaine Weiland. Alongside me and Blaine, you caught up with Bridget Pottle, the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Lacrosse Association. Let's hear that chat that you had with her.
4: Well, I'm joined with Bridget Pottle. She's the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Lacrosse Association, and there's a lot of lacrosse happening here in the Queen City. The Box Lacrosse Nationals are taking place. And I guess, Bridget, first let let's start off with, can you just talk about all the different categories and tournaments that are taking place here in Regina this week?
7: Not a problem. So we are lucky to be hosting five minor box national championships, one in um, terms of age groups is U13 uh, male, U15 male, and U17 male. We're also hosting um, two of the minor female, U15 and U17. And then we're also very excited to see the return of the U22 uh, female junior championships. And as Saskatchewan bid as part of a host, we also put a bid in to host the U15 female. National Festival, so our female athletes at that age could also have the opportunity to attend these events. So we got um, seven different divisions and lots and lots of really great athletes here this week.
4: And I guess, can you just kind of talk about in terms of, you know, from Saskatchewan's perspective, you know, how big is, it seems like a cross is one of those fast-growing sports that's getting bigger and bigger as the years goes on. Is that the case? And just talk about, you know, the growth of the sport here in Saskatchewan.
7: Oh, absolutely. We've been growing... Um, significantly over the past few years. Obviously, when the rush came in about in 2016, having that professional team just gives a whole other level to the experience and exposure of it. And, of course, they've been really great partners in growing the game as well. Um, And then, you know, we're really hoping that showcasing um, it this weekend at this kind of event will, you know, show even more kids all the things they can do with the sport, especially our young girls because we have... Um, girls from the age of 11 all the way up to 21 here. And um, it's just great opportunity for some mentorship.
4: And maybe just, you know, if we're talking about a selling point for lacrosse, you know, maybe just talk about, you know, what makes lacrosse such an appealing sport and an attractive sport for youth that are looking to get active?
7: Oh, it's an exciting game. It's whether you're playing box or field, it's the fastest game on two feet. Uh, lots of physical contact. Um, the, the lacrosse community itself is a very um, tight-knit community and um, lots and lots of opportunities. We have about six or seven alone this year that went on to play, um, get university scholarships. And there's um, university opportunities and, uh, and educational opportunities in the States and in Canada as well.
4: And I guess now jumping back to the, the tournaments that are going on this week. You know, first off, obviously we're talking nationals, so it's... You know, usually the case of the best of the best in the country, but is this a situation is like every province represented this week?
7: You betcha. Every province is represented. We're only missing one of our groups, um, our uh, FNL group from the uh, area. Unfortunately, we ran into some travel issues, but we have every province uh, represented, including a first uh, for PEI to come out as well.
4: Obviously, the beginning of the tournament uh, began on Monday with the opening ceremonies. You mind just talking about uh, kind of recapping, I guess, the first day of the event?
7: Awesome. Yeah, yesterday was our first day. We had our first game starting at about 9 a.m. Of course, there's little bits of hiccups throughout the day of the first day, but we ended it on our opening ceremonies, which we were blessed to be able to use Mosaic Stadium, and the riders really helped us put on a really good show and bring some motivational speakers out and uh, kicked it off with some fireworks even from the stadium. All
4: right. Well, action's going on today as well, as well as mentioned, throughout the week. Uh, Can you guys... I guess kind of give like a little base sample of what kind of actions going on in terms of like uh, how many games are going on throughout a day and when the finals are for kind of each category wrapping up this week.
7: Absolutely. So we have games over at the Cooperator Center running from 8.30 to 9. Um, I mean, you're going to come out and enjoy the best uh, lacrosse players from right across this country competing for a title. So all the games are going to be super exciting. And all the final games will take place on Saturday in the Cooperators Arena and um, like the big big rink and uh, we got some commentators coming out uh thursday night for those in sask who are interested in learning more about lacrosse we're actually having a packed stands night uh thursday starting at six in the big rank at the cooperators we're going to showcase our u17 male and female teams and we'll have some registration information and a little bit of a registration drive so you know the kids that are out here that don't play that are enjoying what they seek and learn how they can start playing
4: and in terms of like the regular season, what's kind of a regular season when it starts, when it ends uh, here locally?
7: Um, so right now our regular, se- we do have some fall programs that run for field lacrosse, um, but our regular season usually is about April till uh, the end of the summer.
4: And sorry, yeah, I'm jump- jumping back to the tournament. I'm doing a lot of jumping back and forth here. Is there kind of a closing ceremony, Is everything to kind of put a bow to the tournament this week?
7: Um, yeah. So on Saturday we have three different award presentations just to kind of break it up. Uh, we have 5:30, 6:30, and then 8:30 on Saturday.
4: Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also Regina hosting the 24, 2024 edition of the tournament as well. Is that right?
7: You betcha. Yeah, we will be back same time, same place next year, and um, we're going to have the branch center as well. So we're hoping to have a few more teams and. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we can't wait to host again. So obviously we're writing down the hiccups and mistakes we're making for about, But uh, um, we're very excited to have everybody come back and just really showcase Saskatchewan and, and the, what a great province it is to, you know, come and visit and everything that they have here. Um, you know, we're able to showcase our local um, organizations a lot. Our, they? We have a bunch of vendors here, just local, you know, locally sourced. Companies and you know crafts and all of that kind of stuff for our local groups, which is nice to support them as well.
4: And I guess British has kind of wrapped things up. Is there anywhere they can go, like whether it's fans, players, that they can go online find more information, whether it's about the tournament this week and maybe possibly throughout the season uh, with Saskatchewan Box Lacrosse?
7: For those wanting to learn more about lacrosse in Saskatchewan, they can visit www.sasklacrosse.net. Um, and that has all the information on all our programs. Um, for those wanting to know you know, a little bit more about the event going on, they can visit boxnationals.lacrosse.ca or come on down to the cooperators.
4: All right, perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Bridget. And, of course, uh, best of luck this week. And, of course, I guess best of luck next year as well hosting the tournament.
7: Awesome, and well, thank you so much, and uh, definitely come out and check everything out. When, if you have some time, to we'll
1: see. That's Blaine Wyland with Bridget Pottle, Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Lacrosse Association. We're going to head to break for the news. On the other side, it's Coast to Coast with Arash Madani here on this Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries inside the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for Coast to Coast with Rashma Madani,
0: our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast
1: to Coast with Arash Madani. And it is for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Gauley a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Yeah, it's time to kick off hour two here. Tuesday show is for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over twelve thousand sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Sports Arash Madani does join us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, Arash, uh, no other place to start. Victor Kui, what can you tell us? Floor is you yours. <laughs>
8: Zinger, remember a few weeks ago you and I did a hit when Balzi was traveling, hmm. and I was telling you that the board of directors of the Mighty Edmonton Elks were starting to sniff around and ask some staff
9: members at the football club what was going on. Remember that? I do, I do,
1: Arash. Hmm. hmm. And here we are, and Og- now look August fifteenth today. Yep.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what some of those staff members had to say to members of the board of directors of the Edmonton Elks.
1: Yeah, there's a
8: couple. I wonder what was going on behind the curtain.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say. Here's
8: what I can tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Victor Cui was not present at the last Elks home game. So this has been in the works for a little while now. I'm not sure how much of this had to do with what his exit package was, what the messaging was just let us get through the home game and then we'll move on. I'm not sure how that went, but this has been cooking for quite some time now and the end result is here.
1: And I was just scrolling through Twitter and uh or both Blaine Wildland and myself and there's some stories of uh, former employees of the Edmonton Elks Arash, basically. Well, remember
8: I told you, the CFO of the organization left. Yes. Um, An HR person from the organization left. What are some of the stories you're reading? What are you seeing?
1: What
4: What was the one that you had, Blaine? It? it was Nick Pelche, the games' op coordinator, and basically uh, he left. Yeah, he had some quite. He had uh, some comments. I'm just trying to dig him up there,
1: but uh, basically had to do with uh, you know was treated uh, was bullied. I think was the quote, the word that he used rather. So uh, I don't know. There you go, Blake. Yeah, it. he said, toxic work environment,
4: employees being bullied or told how terrible they are at their jobs daily. No chance for compromise when you talk with the man, his way or the highway. And then he added on, well, dinner on Delta.
8: Yep, yeah, dinner on Delta. That's the old Don Matthews line. Um, it hasn't been good there for a long while. And here's what we've known about Quees since he's taken over. Well, even before he took over absolute self promoter and did a terrific job at that so many people saying oh my gosh it can't be victor's fault he's this he's that he's a genius he's a marketing guru etc so he he had people believing in his message on the outside the problem is when it's not working on the inside this the exit like this becomes inevitable
1: yeah, so what could happen next year as the successor to Mr. Victor well, Kwee?
8: they're going to probably just try and get through the season before deciding on what's what. Here's the word. The word is Alan Watt, a longtime Edmonton sports executive who used to be with the Oilers, the organization's prior name, and now with the Elks. I believe Alan Watt's going to be elevated into some kind of role. The rumored usure out of Edmonton is that Sean Fleming's name is being thrown around. Sean Fleming the kicker, for the Sean organization. Fleming? The kicker, the great cup champion, um, Mr. Edmonton. Um, he may be involved in the mix down the road or at the very least approach to, Sean, can you please come try and fix this thing? So those are the two names to keep an eye out on, guys, is Alan Watt and Sean Fleming.
1: Wow. So you don't expect anything to happen within the season. Do you think they're just maybe going to name like an interim and get through this season and then afterwards?
8: The staff left over will do, and the board will have a little bit of input. But, I mean, shoot, we're past the midway point of the season. I don't even know how many home games they have left. Here's the other issue with Victor Quay. Victor Quay was papering the house. Mm-hmm. Like I was told, and who knows, but there were thousands of free tickets handed out to try and salvage Commonwealth to look somewhat, whatever you want to call it, and it wasn't even close to being anything respectable.
1: Uh. Those zero nine Edmonton Elks they kick off Week Eleven this week in Hamilton. That's a Thursday nighter. So we saw Ooh, it. Yeah, get your
8: popcorn ready for that
1: one. <laughs> we saw it. Uh, hey, v- Victor Queen never won a home game. Arash, how about that? Never won a home how game about that. since he took over for the Edmonton how, Elks. How, what a yeah. <laughs> so Arash uh, switching gears. Is gear. that what's
8: going on in the gravestone, Zinger? Yeah, never I thought, won a home game?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, when I saw the news officially came down today, that's literally the first thing that came to mind. was this guy never won a home game. The streak is still alive. But uh, Arash yeah. uh, switching I mean, gears.
8: What came to mind to me, Zinger, is yeah, just a ahead. conversation from a few weeks ago. Yeah. When you have the CFO, the chief financial officer of the organization, when you have HR people running for the hills, there are major problems. Mm. And that's, that's really what this, this illustrated, I think, more than anything else.
1: Yeah, and speaking of problems, Arash, how was that not a flag on Zach Kolaris the other night? Well, should have been a flag, no? Or am I out to lunch?
8: I mean, of course it should have been a flag. There is such an utter hopelessness that goes on when the league gets involved. But here's the problem, Zinger. If you were to ask Craig Dickinson, Mike O'Shea, Chris Jones, and Dave Dickinson if that was roughing the passer, some may say yes, some may say no, and some may say I'm not sure. But the issue has become no one even knows what roughing the passer is anymore because over the offseason, quietly, or maybe it was in season, recently, in all its wisdom, the league has made a change that the uh, uh, roughing the passer must be must pass the threshold of a quote violent hit. That it's not just a hit to the head of a quarterback anymore. Wow. so what they're saying now is that it is a subjective call roughing the passer that for each official, it has to pass the threshold that they believe it to be, instead of it being definitive one way or another.
1: Yeah, well, like, what's the violence supposed to mean, then? Because, like, a pillow fight could look awfully violent to someone, but the next person would be like, ah, that's, that's, that's not bad, you know? Depends on yeah. soft someone's feeling on the day of, you know what
8: I mean? Right, right. So, you know, like, look at your studio. The way, the way you guys... The two of you interpret what violent may mean as different to each other. Yeah. So in the command center with the officials, I mean, who knows? So is that exact same hit, is that going to be roughing the passer for another official? No. It's, it's beyond bizarre.
1: Well, uh, Arash, uh, I want to talk National Football League before we go, because, you know, well underway here. Nathan Rourke, he did outstanding with his debut with the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, the NFL quarterback scene. Speaking of the quarterbacks, it's getting quite spicy. We have Lamar Jackson. He went from being on the outside of it all here in Baltimore. Now he's... Now he has some input on the play design. He's got... <laughs> what's going on in Baltimore, Maryland? I know.
8: I mean, God, God bless Todd Malkin, who's, Todd Malkin, who's letting him do it. And Jim Jim Arbaugh or John Arbaugh for letting him do it. That, you know, Lamar saw some stuff on social media, sent it to coach and said, hey, what do you think of this? Next thing you know, a couple of days later, they're practicing it in camp. Which shows <laughs> you and tells you how far that relationship has come. We, that, you know, Lamar had asked for a look, let me be a part of this. Let me, you know, listen to what I have to say. And, and the organization's been on board with it. I, I think that's shown a lot of growth from everybody there that they're willing to do that.
1: So this must not have happened in the past then? Is that kind of what, you know?
8: Kind of feels that way, you know. Greg Roman there might, there must be a bunch of reasons why Greg Roman's no longer the offensive coordinator there, right?
1: Mm. Yeah. And what's this? You see this today, Arash? Anthony Richardson, he's the starting quarterback in Indy.
8: Isn't that amazing? Mm. Isn't that amazing? You know, I'm I'm reminded of Matt Ryan the other day calling his whole time with the Colts a bleep show. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, do you think that's Shane Steichen's call as the new head coach, or do you think that's Jim Irsay's call as the owner? Hmm. Man, I'm fascinated to know what that answer is. I don't think we'll ever know it definitively, but wouldn't it be something to know?
1: How do you see him doing in uh, his first year? We all know the guy's got a cannon of an arm. but
8: Yeah, no idea. It's really hard to kind of forecast... What it may be, you know, there's someone who didn't play a ton of games in college. Um, it's going to be such a steep learning curve, and you know what they're going to do to him right away, Zinger. Yeah. They are going to bring endless pressure his way. And so I, how is he going to handle that? We're going to find out real quick.
1: And then I believe the Colts open up the season at home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, that's going to be September, September 10th, the date.
8: Yeah, exactly.
1: Arash, this has been fun, my friend. We'll talk to you on, what day is it today? It's Tuesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks, Inger. That's Arash Madani, coast to coast with Arash Madani here on the Western Pizza Hotline for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. And at the bottom of this hour, what do we got in the lineup? AJ Allen of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be hopping on that Western Pizza Hotline. Let's go through some of your texts on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries. And keep those texts coming, by the way, 3069 366262. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house.
0: Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620
1: CKRM. The uh, Women's World Cup semifinal. I was just watching some highlights here on the computer. Spain beats Sweden with some late drama. It was 2-1 the final score, so uh, Spain moves on to the final. And they will take on the winner of Australia and England, which goes tomorrow morning at 4 a.m., don't know if I can make it for that one, Blaine Wyland. That's pretty early, 4 a.m. <sighs> no. I mean,
4: I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched much for the women's soccer. And it's it has been the time. And I'm not going to lie, too. Canada was out early. The Americans yeah, were that, out early. That was a bummer, huh? If, if, well, not it, dude, I'm sure not the Americans. You're talking Canadians, of course. Yeah, but, yeah,
1: yeah. If Canada like made a run at this thing, I mean, count me in. I'm setting my alarm. But I don't think I'm going to set my alarm to... Watch England play soccer, you know. <laughs> but uh, hey, uh, let's go to the text line three zero six nine three six six two six two. Scott is on the text line. Scott, the fuel hauler. What's up, Scott? Uh, Scott says I'm listening to yesterday's show on the app, and I think I need to fire myself for listening to everyone that wants the whole organization. Uh, Wants to fire the whole organization, I think is what he meant. Uh, Scott goes on to say it takes time to build a winning organization up. And the injuries are a huge setback. Lots of football left in the season. That is Scott the Fuel Holler on uh, the text line. So I don't know if he's listening to the show live right now or if he's just like listening to the podcast from yesterday. Maybe he's a bit behind, which is fine. So maybe tomorrow at this time, he's going to be listening to this right now. Me Talking about this, but uh, thanks for uh, the text, Scott. Uh, Great to have you on board as one of our SportsCage shareholders. And Bill is on the text line, Bill in Regina. Bill says, yes, Don, apparently Elks could have had the assistant GM from Winnipeg and the special teams guy from Calgary, and uh, they hired Jones instead. Go figure. That's from uh, Bill in Regina.
4: You know who the assistant GM of Winnipeg is? Hmm former CFL quarterback Danny McManus Mm -hmm. I believe that's who he's talking about but I know Danny McManus is going to be a prime candidate for GM jobs right now
1: in the CFL. Well, that was the word in kind of in the off offseason, too, was Danny, Danny Mac was kind of, you know, the next guy in line for a possible big time opportunity when it comes to that. So uh, whether it happens next season I've, or the season after, I, bottom line is I think it's going to happen at some point. Like he's going to be the GM of a of a team sooner rather than later, you would think. Uh, Ken in Vancouver on the text line or Ken from Colon after oh this is uh hey i'm gonna read it though you know it, it, there's no bad words in it so i'll read it this is a uh, ken from Kelowna ken says after we lose sunday we will be four and 13 the last 17 games uh and then ken says uh, finally oday takes over oh he says Get rid of Coach Dickey and get O'Day as the coach. Ship is, uh, ship is sinking. See, I can't even read this text because it's so negative <laughs> you, and it's so scrambled. You want me to do it for you? Yeah, you go ahead. All right. I don't want.
4: I don't want anything a part of this, Ken. All right, it's Ken from Cologne, and After we lose Sunday, we'll be four and thirteen. Last seventeen games. How about this? Coach fired. Finally, O'Day takes over as coach. Ship is sinking. So captain on deck for the rest of the year. There you go. I don't think it's gonna. I, it's gonna be a. I know a lot of people are screaming for changes, and especially with the bye week that comes
1: after this, and it's Labor Day after this. It's all. I just think nobody's getting nobody's getting fired, man. You, you look. You look at the standings right now.
4: I think people are expecting. I think they're anticipating that if there would be a change, the only only way that would ever happen is we see a repeat of last Friday's game this Sunday. If it's like a lopsided and it's a little off, it's different this week. They have more than one practice, they have a full practice week. I don't think it's going to happen that they're going to get their butts whipped. Not saying right now that they might necessarily win. I don't think it's going to be a butt whipping like we saw in Montreal. I think that's the only possible way we would see a coaching change. Coaching changes in football, I don't like them one bit. Uh, they never work. You really only do it if it's kind of a mercy thing. And this point of the season, I just can't see it happening. I know it's going to probably upset some people Not like that. I just I can't see a coaching change happening unless it's unless your team quits on you. And I talk to these guys every day and I don't see that. I don't hear that. Now, it could be a situation. They only say us so much, of course. But I don't think it's a situation where we're going to see a coaching change um, unless it's unless it's really bad. I I don't, I don't think it's going to happen because I think these guys know that their backs are against the wall. This is a game. That they gotta have on Sunday, and uh, I, I think we're gonna see a different team than we've seen in Montreal. So I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah,
1: this is this is Zinger's opinion. Like today should be a perfect reminder that you know it's not as bad as maybe it seems. Okay, you look at the Edmonton Elks. Now, I'm not saying what's happening right now, getting blown out in Montreal is okay, but it's also not the end of the world here. Edmonton, that's like borderline end of the world. I mean, they're 0-9. They're firing people. Uh, they haven't won a home game since 2019. I mean, it's pretty bad there. You look at here, you look at the standings, man. Saskatchewan, we have a 4-5 and five record the season ended right now we're right in the thick of things we'll we'll be in BC to take on the BC Lions in the west semifinal if the season ended right now and the other thing is too they're on their
4: third string quarterback. They're on their what fourth or fifth string left tackle right now. Mm-hmm. That That's what th- those are two things that they're gonna say right out. Like mm-hmm. I, if I was coached if that the scenario was like, what went wrong? Well, there's the two of the biggest things. And the other thing too, if you fire your head coach and in the Saskatchewan Riders situation, if what's to say they would get rid of their head coach, they're not changing the offensive game calling. You know what I mean? The def- defensive game calling, it's not getting changed. It's just the voice in the locker room that's getting changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that big seismic change that I know a lot of people expect happens when head coaches get fired. That's not going to happen. You're going to still see the same offense. You're going to still see the same defense.
1: So, yeah, I know people like to, and, and for rightful reasons, you know, when, when things aren't going good, you're always trying to find whatever, you know, the outlet is to, to fix things. And some Some people might think that is, you know, firing a person here or there, replacing somebody at a position. But when you think of those things, you always have to come back to the point of, you know, reality and what's actually happening. And what is actually happening right now is a team that has, like you said, Blaine, lost their quarterback, lost the second string quarterback. We're on the third string quarterback right now. And the fact of the matter is, uh It's pretty tough to win a football game with your starting quarterback in there, regardless of what team you are. And when you have a third string quarterback in there with, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was some moving parts along the offensive line. Now, this may all sound like excuses, but, you know, sometimes excuses are, what's the saying? Like excuses sometimes are just the way it is. It's reality. Like that's just the way it is. So uh, as it sits right now, the Riders are four and five; they're in a playoff spot, and I just, I just think, you know, especially after, especially after a loss like we had in in Montreal, the Rough Riders had in Montreal, there's always, there's always gonna naturally be that overreaction, you know, to overcome that. But just it let's come back down the earth here. Look at, I always just go back. Look at the standings when you're feeling gloomy. Look at the standings. And uh, just think to yourself, we're not the Edmonton Elks. We're four and five. We're in the playoffs. And we have a great opportunity to flip the script on Sunday because if the Riders come away with a win versus the BC Lions on Sunday, I mean, this whole conversation would just be absolutely turned around. Just how big one win can be for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders if they win this game on Sunday. I mean, the narrative is it's gonna be a complete 360. That's all it takes. One big win back to 500 and uh, sitting pretty in the West Division standings with still a good chunk of season to go. So uh, let's let's just take a deep breath in, deep and in, in, in exhale and uh, let's forward look let's look forward to Sunday. And if we see another performance like we had in Montreal, like we've been saying all week long, if the same thing happens on Sunday, okay, then maybe like we can ask, like, what's going on here? But if the riders come out and play a competitive game against a very good team, hey, man, and come away at the win, albeit. That's what I'm talking about. So it's going to be a good one. BC Lions in town, and we will be chatting with BC Lions linebacker Ryder Varga to kick off our three here in the sports cage. We are going to hit the break, though, and on the other side, we are going to chat with one of your own Saskatchewan Roughrider, A.J. Allen, after our CFL report here in a few moments. You are listening to the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Back inside the Sports Cage, 438, Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball. Michael Ball is uh getting some rest because he needs to rest those vocal cords because he has a big game to call here on Sunday. So it's myself alongside Blaine Weiland inside the sports cage today. Very honored to be on the 620 CKRM Airwaves as we are every single day. And uh, it's time now to head on out on the Western Pizza Hotline and chat with AJ Allen of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. AJ, how you doing today on this uh, smoky Tuesday here in the Queen City?
10: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Pleasure to be here. Honor to be here. How
1: you doing? Doing good, my friend. And uh, so I, I I want to talk more than just football this segment, but we'll start with football. Uh, Not a lot of people are giving you guys a chance this week. Seven and a half point underdogs on home turf. You know, it doesn't happen all that often. That line. Uh, do you take it personal when either yourself or your team is counted out like this? Like some pro athletes deal with stuff like this in different ways. How does AJ Allen go about, you know, handling adversity from a personal standpoint?
10: Uh, I don't take it personally. No. Um, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control, uh, especially the over under <laughs> on our to <opportunities laughs> win games. Um, personally, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to go out there and and, um, and go out there and prove that I can and, you know, do what we're supposed to do. A um, kind of life mantra I've, I've kind of lived by and tried to live by is I'm not, I'm not out here trying to prove everyone else wrong. You do that, you'll never be fulfilled. Uh, I'm just trying to prove myself right. Uh, I just want to prove that I'm the football player I say I am. I'm the brother I say I am. Uh, I'm the son I say I am. The boyfriend I say I am. I'm, that's all I'm trying to do, so... Um, I'm not really concerned about those things. I'm just trying to handle adversity my way, prove that I'm right.
1: And speaking of adversity, nothing can really uh, surpass, you know, real-life adversity, uh, you know, I like to call it. We've talked about this, I think it was like six months ago. Uh, Your roommate at Guelph, uh, Kyle Coleman, he passed away back in 2016. And, I mean, that is something I don't think someone can ever really move on from. How much of his memory do you carry with you on game day? I'm just thinking even for games like the one in Montreal on Friday where things aren't going your team's way, does stuff such as the memory of your friend kind of put things into perspective and shine a light and help you personally at all when maybe uh, the football side of your life isn't going the way that you want it to?
10: For sure. Um, Every time, honestly. I carry one with me all the time. That's why I got that tattoo. Yeah. Um, He's meant a lot to me um, outside of football. So even after that game, um, I went out there, you know, after I got, we got, we all got our ass kicked. And I went and I signed some stuff. And I, um, I saw a little kid with my jersey on. And when the kid said hi, I gave him my sweatband and stuff like that. It's days like that where you realize it's like, um, you know, although this is a big part of your life, um, you know, you can make someone else's day. Uh, you can go be an inspiration to someone else, put a smile on someone else's face. Is, uh, i didn't smile the rest of that day um so um he's cared with me the whole time um just being able to kind of get out that mood as fast as possible put a smile on my face and, and, and try to put a smile on other people's faces because uh, you know we put on for rider nation it's not just me um it's everybody watching at home it's everybody watching in different provinces and different cities um it's bigger than me so yeah i that's why he that's something he helped me realize it's bigger than me
1: A.J. Allen with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And A.J., uh, another Sunday game once again this week. Uh, You guys are the last game of the week. So uh, how's the body feeling? We have a good chunk of the game, or a good chunk of the season, rather, in the books here. How's uh, another year in the green and white uh, feeling for yourself personally on a physical standpoint? How's everything uh, uh, going in your world? We're
10: feeling great. Uh, Feeling great. This time last year, I was a rookie. Um, didn't really know what was going on. I also um I broke my hand that first game. Uh so I didn't really get a chance to really get started. Um, so uh I was uh, I was on the sixth game for the first uh you know, obviously as, uh, from week two to, to, to week seven. Yeah. And um it was uh yeah, it was it was it was definitely a challenge. Um I realized how hard it was to survive a full season, um without any injury. So uh I took an off season different kind of different off-season approach and, and so far it's helped me you know also with a little bit of luck of course um uh, but the body's, body's feeling great man it's, it's you know the long season's starting to catch up to people um including me i'll be in the tubs every time <laughs> try, try to try to kind to recover but um so far you know as good as a, a professional athlete through half a season can feel
1: yeah and, uh, AJ, I can't remember if we asked you this the last time you were on here, but uh, last week there was, maybe it was the week before, there was a, a ranking on Twitter, ranking the the CFL stadiums. Did we ask you about the where uh, certain stadiums fit on your personal rankings? I can't remember if it was you that we uh, talked to. About.
10: I think we talked about outside of Ryder Stadium. I said BC was my highest.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right, too. So that was going to be my question. Is there any debate? A lot of people like to say IG Field is... Above Saskatchewan, but basically everyone that I talk to says Mosaic Stadium is. And you've you've been in the depths of both stadiums. Just uh, compare those two stadiums for us: Mosaic yeah, versus I think, IG.
10: I think Mosaic has um, man, it it is it is different. Man, it is definitely a different atmosphere. uh I think that the fact that it goes a little bit underground creates a little bit of a, a, a dome aspect and. And man, sound carries. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. sound carries when you're on that field, and you yeah, have that many many people screaming. Um, I just don't think anything compares to a to a to a sold out Mosaic Stadium. I I, I don't think so. And I played in the, the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl, um, so I I it. There is definitely a hostile environment over there, but I I don't think it compares to Mosaic Stadium at all. I think Rider Nation makes this place. Um, something anybody in Canada
1: should see. AJ Allen of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders here on the Western Pizza Hotline for a couple more minutes. So let's talk about your opponent here, BC Lions coming into town. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tough game. BC, a pretty good football team. I mean, they're sitting pretty in the West Division standings. They are a 7-2 and two team. Uh, what kind of challenges you know, does this offense present you compared to maybe what you've seen in previous weeks?
10: This offense executes um, that is that is something that the good teams do on a consistent level that's how you have success that's how you become seven and two um they, they execute at a high level um when, when they are great when they're playing their best football is when they're executing on all three facets um that defense executes the special team executes and uh and that offense executes so um that's one thing across the board that they that they all do very well um yeah, on top of having a quarterback like Vernon, like VA who was um who's finding his stride again and, and getting back on track. Um, having a lot of dangerous receivers. Um you know, you got Keon Hatcher and you got Whitehead and you got um I don't know if Dominique's playing or not, but Dominique as well and, and, and even Holland um and uh And McInnes as well. You got a lot of you got a, a, a lot of weapons over there for sure. Um you got an offensive line that can protect him. You got you know, um, a flurry of running backs who can, who can do a little bit of everything, whether that be catching the ball at the backfield or, or having a 100-yard rushing game, um, that team executes. Um, and, and that's what I think draws them apart from other teams on, on, a, on a weekly level. They they execute consistently.
1: That's why they're 7-2. Yeah, it's going to be a good game Friday, or sorry, a Sunday night, 5 p.m. kickoff. A BC Lions in town to take on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I guess we'll, we'll, uh, leave off tonight. AJ, I just want to, you know, fill in Rider Nation. Now, you're more than just a football player here. So, uh, what does AJ Allen like to do when he's not, uh, you know, in the playbook, when he's not on the field? What is the top three, uh, what do you what would you call it? Top three hobbies, I guess, is the word I'm okay. looking for for A.J. H. Uh, A. J. Allen. Okay. Um right now at least. Um I am
10: watching anime. So I, I like to I like to watch shows, watch mm-hmm. anime shows. Um I also like to play video games. my second hobby. Mm-hmm. And uh the third is either working out or playing another sport. Um so for that other sport usually for me is basketball.
1: Love to play basketball. I gotta ask you about these video games. I think we've asked you before, but uh, you you really? like you like the Call of Duty, right? If I am I like it? the Call of Duty, yeah. I like the the Madden. Um, yeah, huge fans, huge fans. Hey, the the new Madden comes out right away, or is it already out? AJ. Oh, uh, I think I think it came out today. I'm pretty sure it came out today. Holy smokes! I think you're right. Sure it it's Madden today. release day. NFL twenty four with uh, yeah. AJ Allen is gonna be gaming all night long, isn't he? You know it. You know it.
10: All my teammates are going to be, uh, <laughs> we're all going to be gaming against each other and, uh, competing and, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure.
1: Are you are you the best Madden player on the team? I think we got. I think that's what you said I before, am. right? Anybody who says otherwise is a liar. Yeah, that's right. That rings a bell. There, they can come, they can come see me. <laughs> come see you on the front come, porch. Come you have the TV on. The... on <laughs> come see me on the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, AJ Allen of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's gonna be playing some Madden tonight. Joining us yes, on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks for your time today, AJ. Good luck on Sunday. I appreciate it, and it's been it's my honor, man. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. That's AJ Allen on the Western Pizza Hotline. And yeah, Josh Allen, the cover boy. A couple Allens in the air here on this Tuesday inside the sports cage. And we're going to hit the break on the other side. Brian Raymond out at Flowing Springs. We're going to get a quick update from him. You are listening to the sports cage on 620 CKRM. And we are back inside the sports cage here. It is 4.50 and we are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline. With Brian Raymond over there at Flowing Springs. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing
11: great, Zinger. How are you?
1: I'm not doing too bad. A lot of smoke in the air again today.
11: Yeah, uh, there is. The but you know what? Other than that, it's a beautiful day. It's nice and warm. Not too, too warm. 30 mm-hmm. degrees, no wind. Remember I said that now in Saskatchewan. No wind.
1: Yeah. So how's the course looking? Still a lot of people coming out uh, amidst this smoke that's happening?
11: Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people are realizing that... Uh, You know, we're not close to winter anytime soon, but the golf season is going to end at some point in time, so they want to make sure they get their rounds in, and when you have a day like this, and the course and the shape that it's in, you better take advantage of it.
1: And uh, if someone wants to get a tee time, Brian, this weekend, uh, how do they they go about doing so?
11: Well, all you have to do is give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at Flowing Springs Golf Greens. And if you want to use the driving range, you do not have to make a booking. Just come on out and we'll be happy to help you.
1: That's awesome, Brian. Thanks for your time today and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good, singer. That's Brian Raymond over there at Flowing Springs. Book your tee time now and get some golf in before uh, the season changes. All right, we're going to head to a conversation Michael Ball had with former Saskatchewan Rough rider Eddie Steele on the Western Pizza Hotline.
12: All right here with Eddie Steele he does in the trenches on the pregame show we'll call it in the trenches here on the Sports Cage. Now Eddie, uh no excuses, uh, you were saying that on Twitter about uh, you know the 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 long travel for the riders short week all that type of thing. But I've I've heard a lot of fans blame the coaching for not being prepared. How much How much is it on the athlete? How much is it on the coaching to be prepared? Because I look at a guy like Chris Jones, who you played for, uh, don't think he's soft. That guy sleeps under his desk, and they don't have a win. So sometimes I think it just comes on the
13: players. they got to be prepared, ready to go. Flat out, I mean, you're right, Ballsy. The players are the ones who play in the game. Coaches call the plays, but the players got to execute. In terms of the whole travel, I, I don't buy into any of that. I played nine years in the league, and let me just give you a little bit of insight A, on short walks, typically coaches will have you off of your feet. It'll be more of a film session week. So it's not like coaches are running your legs. So fatigue shouldn't be an issue. B, travel. Uh, The whole travel is nonsense to me. You're hopping on a private jet. You're leaving the day before. You get over 24 hours to get uh, accustomed to a time, uh, time change. And, you know, there is a real thing, like a Montreal flu, much like the Vegas the Vegas flu in the NHL. It's, it's a real thing now where guys like to go to Montreal, especially if you haven't experienced that or Toronto, and uh, you can get a little bit carried away. I've seen it with guys. So I really believe it comes down to the players. I'm not saying players are going out and, doing their thing and that's why they played bad but you never know when guys need to be held accountable and I've just seen it over my years but in terms of travel and all that it's a non-issue man.
12: Well Eddie I, I will say this because I was on the charter they left uh, they left late the day before we didn't get to our hotel till around 9 o'clock and I think curfew was 11 now I'm not a chaperone for the guys who knows but when people say the Montreal flu generally I'd say you're right I don't think that was a factor in this game at least I want to believe it wasn't a factor in this game Game. But I uh, I look at that game, man, and I, I want to concentrate in the trench. Let's talk about the running game. What are you seeing from the running game? Is it the running backs? Is it the linemen? Is it a combination of both? Because they just that running game hasn't been what it was earlier in the year. No,
13: it's not. And, you know, it is a combination of both. I think there is um, a definite lack of physicality right now. Uh, not just with the, the offensive line. I think with the team as a whole. I think there is just a lack of that physical mentality, that dominant mentality. Uh, I thought they had that, you know, early in the year, especially going back to the trenches in the O line. Uh, But again, it wasn't a horrible game, you know. They Morrow had 14 for 85 and uh, averaging 4.7. That's that's pretty good production. Now it's not that's not terrible. But, you know, it's not what we were expecting to see what they had been last year in terms of how dominant they were in the run game.
12: That was a horrible loss, though, Eddie. No standback, no Sewell, no uh, Cody Fajardo, uh, Cianti Evans didn't play. I mean, they were missing a lot of guys. That Alouette's defense is really impressive.
13: That's a terrible L. There's no sugarcoating it, man. That's an L that you literally just dropped. That's one on the board that you can afford to drop. And you got to look at this team for what they are, man. Uh, is Coaches always used to tell me, look in the mirror. You are what you are. And now the Riders have four wins, two of them against the Elks, who are just absolutely just putrid. And those two wins that they have against the Elks, they barely snuck out. They could have gone the other way. Take those off the board. They essentially could be a two-win team, and the other two wins – I don't recall, but they had to come and really fight for those wins. So they're not a dominant team by any measure, and we just saw them get dominated themselves this last game. So they really have to look at themselves in the mirror and see what they are this season, and they really have to come to grips with this.
12: You've been in a uh, practice situation on a professional team, great cup champion, Vanier cup champion. I want you to settle it for me because I hear some fans saying, and even some media, see, that's why Dologala should get first team reps in practice. I don't... (laughs) I don't know of many CFL slash NFL teams that are going to give the backup to the backup when they're trying to get the backup ready, a.k.a. Mason Fine. They're going to give anybody that many first team reps. Like I don't think Bill Belichick would go into a game and say, "Okay, uh, we need to give Brian Hoyer at least 15 first team reps because what happens if something happens to Tom Brady? I don't I don't I don't see that. How about you?
13: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not like that at all. You're getting fine prepared for a game, and Dola Gala is getting reps. He's he's the number two going into the game, so don't get it twisted. The guy's getting reps all week in practice. But let's just end this whole fine Dola Gala debate that you and I agreed on it a couple weeks back. Makes for poor radio, but the reality is the reality. Fine is the guy. You know, fine is better than Dologala. There's no 1A, 1B, no. It's 1 and 2, and now gala has got to prove himself – because he's the one who are get, who's going to be getting the reps in this upcoming game.
12: Yeah. So do you you know is it unfair to critique him when he comes in like that? Like uh, I want to see him with a full week behind
13: center, getting the first team reps. Yeah, absolutely, uh, because he'll have that opportunity to really study the film of practice and really get those practice reps as the guy. But at the end of the day, man, he's had many reps. He's had many opportunities to play in games now uh he's been with the team all year so it's not like he's short on reps so i'm excited for him to get this opportunity uh, and hopefully you know he can prove a guy like me wrong who just went off and said that fine is the guy. Because that's what it's all about, baby. You get that opportunity, you take it and run. Football is a week-to-week game. That's
12: the beauty of it. Sometimes it's played within five days. Sometimes the traditional seven riders get a rest here, and they need it with the BC Lions coming in. This will be a tough game, but it's a winnable game. I know that sounds weird, but anybody can beat anybody in this league. We almost saw Edmonton knock off Winnipeg.
13: Ballsy man, that's football. The parody, as much as you got Winnipeg and Toronto dominating, look at everyone else. It is just a mixed barrel. Anybody can win. Anybody literally can go out and win any week. And that's just the reality of pro football. What I love, and I was just thinking about the Elks here, man, this team hasn't won a game yet, but they got uh, the Thai Cats coming up, and then they have Ottawa coming up, If they win both of those games, which are winnable games, boom, all of a sudden you're in the playoff mix. It's crazy because of the parity. Everybody is just in the mix. So the Riders, they're sitting pretty. They are. This, This is a winnable game, and you come out and you do what you're supposed to do well then you're right in the mix just as they are and that's a beautiful thing
12: yeah that's right and i want to wrap up talking about the elks here first off i want to get your thoughts on how trey ford played in the game just play not the then i'll get to the second half of my trey ford question how do you think he played in that
13: game uh better than i thought better than i thought to be honest had some good flashes uh i thought the some of the Play calling was limited, but he played better than I thought. If I had to put a grade on it, I'd give it a B minus.
12: What I didn't like from Trey Ford, uh, now I didn't hear the comments, but I read them. Like he shouldn't be going in the post game show talk, uh, questioning the coaching when you're finally getting on the field.
13: No, he shouldn't, but at the same time, uh, he was absolutely right, man. He said they let off the throttle. And you're up 22 nothing. a team that's desperate for a win, and it was noticeable as a yeah. fan that they let off the throttle. I watched them let off the throttle. you got to continue to put points up. You could see Winnipeg was coming, and they really did. You could really see it. So was, was he wrong? No, he wasn't wrong. And uh, I don't think the coaches should be overly sensitive about that mm. because – he came and gave you the best flash that you've had all season.
12: No, I agree with that part of it. And lastly, what would you think of Drew Brown? I mean, obviously, he led them back. I say, hey, he played a great game, but he had nothing to lose. They're down 22 nothing. He could chuck it up there, and his receivers made some great catches for him.
13: Baller, man. I was just over in Winnipeg last week, and I was with Nick Dembski on Friday night for a big barbecue, and we were just chatting and just getting caught up, and uh, he said Drew Brown is that guy. He's a baller, and he's been a baller. Everybody knows it. Uh, Dembski literally said when Zach went down, as unfortunate as it is to see your guy go down, they were so confident and calm on the bench because they knew Drew was coming in, and they knew what Drew could do. So that was pretty cool to hear from him. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Eddie. I appreciate it. All right, Ballsy. We'll talk.
0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome Inside the Radio Octagon, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger.
1: Here we go, hour three for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. And all of our guests on today's show up here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Can order the Rough Rider sweet deal from Western Pizza and enter your name in for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite in 2024. And uh, if you missed any of today's show, as always, you can find it on podcast form. We've had a great one thus far, as it always is, every single day here inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today as ballsy as, uh resting his vocal cords because he's going to need them when Sunday rolls around, when the BC Lions take on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff at Mosaic Stadium on Sunday, so that means our pregame show will be on the air right at 2 p.m. with Countdown to Kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli, and then the Rider Nation pregame show will be on the air at 4 p.m. And uh, excited to talk with this guy once again, former University of Regina Ram linebacker and current linebacker, For the BC Lions, Ryder Varga joining us. Hey, Ryder, how you doing, man? Well, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good, my friend. And hey, uh, the Regina Rams, they're in uh, training camp right now, getting all fine-tuned, getting set for the 2023 season. And I was looking at the schedule. I think Regina is in BC I want to say in October sometime, and I think you guys play the night before, so I'm suspecting that Ryder Varga will be in the stands at Thunderbird Stadium when the Rams come into town.
9: Yeah, I might have to be I'm gonna have to be undercover. I don't know. I don't want where wear all my Rams gear get attacked in the stands by the UBC fans. But I'll be there for sure.
1: Hey man, what what was that like playing at Thunderbird Stadium? I've seen one game there in the past, and I could barely watch the game because I was like six hundred yards away from the field. But from a player standpoint, what was that like playing in uh, Thunderbird Stadium? That guy banging on the drum the whole game—that was uh, quite the environment.
9: Uh, yeah, Thunderbird Stadium was. It was good, but a lot of the fans were pretty, pretty uh, cool. uh, loud with their opinions about our team and oh, some yeah. of our, you know, they're, they're really letting us know on the bench about about us. But yeah. it was good.
1: But when you look at all the venues that you played in in your in your university career, is, uh, is Thunderbird Stadium? Is that? I guess I'll just ask you rank rank your favorite venues to play in in your university career.
9: I would say I like I like the Huskies stadium just because like it's more mm-hmm. of like a you know feels like a real stadium environment. I like playing at home too, but it's like you only get yeah like one side of the field with like everybody kind of spread out, so it's not as you know yeah a full surround sound stadium field. So I'll take the Huskies one first. Uh, UBC's up there. Uh, our stadium's up there just because I like the the field the most and you know being at home. Um, I would say then maybe, maybe U of A, then Calgary, then Manitoba, or something like that. Yeah, so hey. like UPC and uh, the Huskies have the best, like I guess, all-around feel or yeah. like environment.
1: Hey, the, the Regina Thunder took on the Calgary Colts this past weekend, and I was talking with the Regina Thunder head coach, Scott McCauley, earlier today, and uh, he said that on the game during the game on Sunday, the they didn't even have a play clock. They weren't playing at McMahon Stadium. They were playing somewhere else and uh, they weren't they didn't have a play clock. How difficult would that be, I guess? I mean, maybe not so much on the defensive side of the ball, but have you ever been a part of a game where there was no play clock? The ref was literally no. yelling the play to play clock at you? Like ten, no. nine. Like come yeah, on. Man. I'm I can believe it. I that. haven't been
9: in that situation but that sounds pretty pretty bushly to me so i hope they <laughs> hope they get that figured out or they, they could have like a portable plate block even at, i'm sure it's not that difficult but
1: yeah but, like we're talking like high level junior football and but anyways i don't want to harp on it too much but hey man you're you're coming back into regina here on the weekend and i already created some memories for yourself uh, in your short time with the BC Lions, going back to the preseason, you took one to the house, baby. So, uh, what's going through your mind here, coming back home?
9: Uh, I mean, it is just another football game, but I always um, play with a little extra chip on my shoulder, I guess, when, when playing against the, that green team. So, yeah, it'll be fun for sure.
1: When when, when you mentioned the chip, is it uh, do do you feel like do you feel like you know maybe you were overlooked? In your home province uh, during the CFL draft, is that where that chip comes from?
9: Uh, I mean, I'm not like super offended by it, but like just knowing that um, the home team kind of passed up on you. Just, I mean, it's it's one more thing just to just to motivate yourself. But I'm yeah. not I'm not sitting there every day. Crying and thinking about what could have been if I got drafted to the Riders.
1: So yeah, well, it's only natural. I mean, if you know, like, I'm putting myself in your shoes. I was, you know, a rider, I still am. I was a rider fan growing up, and you know, if you play for the hometown university and then you don't end up playing for you know your childhood team, it's only natural. We're we're human beings here, Rider Vargas. So no, I, I see what you're coming from, my friend. Uh, so. We have nine games played here. You guys are seven and two. Take us through uh, your pro career so far. How's it been out on the West Coast? I mean, you have nine games under your belt now in the professional life. Is it everything that you thought it was gonna be? Is it a bit different? I mean, take us through uh, that part of things.
9: Um, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's been good. It's been um it's been flying by honestly but uh, we're we're only halfway through the season it's a, it's a long long season i think that's the biggest um disparity between my like, college and and the pros is college we, we play eight games most of the time and then playoffs even one year in in 2021 we only had a 6 game regular season so just realizing that even if i count preseason this year i've played i've played 11 games already and we're we're only halfway through the season not even if we if we count playoffs, you know. So it's just understanding that it's more of a marathon of trying to keep your keep your body, you know, churning at a at a high level for for 18 plus football games, and trying to keep your mental locked in for for that long is, is a challenge. But I'm I'm happy i got the guys around me and, and the coaches around me to to achieve that.
1: And how has that transition gone? Maybe just go into that a bit more, because like you said, I mean, I was thinking the same thing before we had you on here. I was thinking, you know, like this guy's season would have been already over. This is the first time in your you know, football life that that you've played this many football games in a row. I mean, high school, you don't play many games. University, you don't play many games. That is a pretty big transition when you think of it, when you're first year in the pros and, you know, it's every single week you're going back out there, 18 regular season games, preseason playoffs. Overall, Lee, do you think that you've dealt with it pretty good? How's the body feeling? And uh, maybe some things you think that you're going to do different going uh, forward in the future?
9: Um, I would say it. It's helped having um, like my roommates are our second year on the team, right. and a lot of the guys I talk to have you know been in the lead for at least a couple of years. So they kind of give me some tips and pointers and some stuff that they learned from last year, or any any lessons and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to stay on top of things because once you start letting you know little injuries pile up, then you're kind of you're kind of putting yourself in a hole you can't dig yourself out of. So. Definitely got some some bangs and bruises, but just you know, getting treatment every day and taking care of my body and and doing all the right things, so so it doesn't become an issue and
1: and the next coming weeks. BC Lions linebacker, former University of Regina Ram Ryder Vargo, with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And hey, Ryder, the NFL season is starting up here, and I'm just thinking geographically—you guys are in Vancouver. Seattle's close. Any chance that Ryder Varga is going to hit the highway and maybe go to a Seahawks game? I mean, any fun plans for a bye week or anything like that?
9: That might might be something I have to try and work in, but right now my my bye week plans just come back home and and spend time with family and uh, and my girlfriend, so. We'll, yeah. see. we'll see what me and the roommates can work out trying to get to a off game or something.
1: Yeah. Do, do you have a favorite NFL team? I don't know if I've asked you that before. Do you... Do you uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big Patriots fan. Big I know Patriots. people are
9: going
1: to hate that, but... Oh, my goodness. We might need to end this interview early, Ryder. I don't think we can do nah, this. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> joking, my friend. I'm just joking. Uh, so, Ryder, you're going up against uh, a Ryder team this weekend who will be starting another uh, quarterback. It's a... Uh, you know, kind of quarterback scenario this year. Not ideal for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but it's what the team has presented. Uh, there's some tape on Jake Dolagala. People say, you know, a lot of the times, you know, there's not a lot of tape on this guy. There's not a lot of, we don't know what we're getting. Do people put too much stock into that when it comes to, you know, not a whole lot of tape on a quarterback. It's not like the guy hasn't played at all yet referring to Jake Dooligala, but maybe just take us through uh that process facing a rather new quarterback in the Canadian Football League.
9: I mean, uh, for our defense, we just try and like honestly just run our run our play calls, run our defense. We don't I I find we don't spend a ton of time being harping about tendencies or, right. or how the quarterback likes to to throw or what what they look for, we just honestly run our run our defense and just know that if we do everything from on our end right, it doesn't really matter what the other team is trying to do. We can we can win the game. So yeah. obviously there's stuff that you look at and maybe he does, you know, have a tendency to to look at look at a receiver he wants to throw to or he might throw him to his right or his left more, stuff like that, but that's all secondary to the fact that we just gotta run our job and or to run our plays and do our job and the rest will will fall in line.
1: Yeah, can't wait for this game. Can't wait to welcome you back to Mosaic Stadium here on uh, Sunday, my friend. Love watching you in person. And, uh, yeah, safe travels here and back, and we'll see you on Sunday on the field. Awesome. Can't wait. That's Ryder Varga joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, BC Lion linebacker, former University of Regina Ram, hometowner. Love that guy. We were uh, we we're going to take a break here and on the other side, we're going to talk some Baseball Canada Cup It just wrapped up yesterday here in the Queen City. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
0: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620
1: CKRM. 522 inside the Sports Cage. The Baseball Canada Cup wrapped up yesterday in the Queen City. A lot of baseball happening in Regina this summer. And hey, I am not complaining. The North Regina Little League off to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And the Baseball Canada Cup as well going down. uh, Well, the finals were yesterday, the gold medal game. And the bronze medal game, and Team Saskatchewan came away with the bronze. But to take us through what happened in this year's edition of the Baseball Canada Cup, here's our friend Blaine Wyland. The 2023 Baseball Canada Cup came to an end on Monday here
4: in the Queen City. Originally scheduled to wrap up on Sunday, Mother Nature forced an extra day of baseball action. The tournament featured the best baseball players across the country, 17 and under. The bronze medal and gold medals games took place yesterday at Optimus Park with two different style of games, but both producing dramatic moments. To kick off Championship Monday, Team Saskatchewan squared off against Team Quebec in the bronze medal game. It was a pitcher's duel with the game scoreless heading into the bottom of the sixth. Saskatchewan was threatening with runners on first and second and nobody out. But Quebec led by pitcher Jeremy Dion was able to force a flyout followed by an inning-ending double play. After Quebec was unable to score in the top of the seventh, Saskatchewan produced the magical moments in the bottom of the inning. With a pair of runners on base and two outs, Saskatoon's Boston Bast was able to drive in the game-winning run with a walk-off single. He anticipated what was coming his way during that crucial at-bat. He threw me,
3: threw me a fastball low and away, and I'd seen it before, so I knew I could hit the pitch, and I just tried to stay with my approach and see if I could drive it the other way, and I did down the line.
4: Even though the Canada Cup was a grind with so many games in such a short time, Bass said the Team Saskatchewan was prepared, heading into their crucial matchup against Quebec.
3: We played three yesterday, so it was a little bit of a grind getting up this morning, but we got a good group of guys here, and we know we got to go win it for them and win it for the province.
4: Earning the win on the mound for Team Saskatchewan was pitcher Reese Brons. The Saskatoon product tossed the gym, only allowing one hit to Quebec while recording 10 strikeouts to pick up the Big W. He noted that it required a little extra something on Monday.
5: I think a little bit of Tiger Bomb and town all kind
12: of helped a little bit, but I, who knows really? To be honest.
4: On the heels of Team Saskatchewan claiming the Little League World Series in Regina here last week, it's becoming more evident that Saskatchewan is among the country's elite in baseball. Braun says it's more than talent when it comes to Saskatchewan success on the diamond.
5: He just got a lot of heart in us, you know. I think we fight and um, if we. Um, lot of like good
12: chemistry I think on our team too. They all know each other pretty well. I think it really
4: helps a lot. Bass also pointed out Saskatchewan's ability to play as a team as a vital reason for the province's success.
3: Well, we got, we got a good group of guys, and we have good coaches. And we're small, so we're a family. So we just have great chemistry, and we're able to compete.
4: The bronze medal was not the only piece of hardware that Saskatchewan was able to collect during the tournament. Carter Beck was named the top hitter for the tournament, Beck ended up with a 4.44 batting average with an 8.18 slugging percentage. Last night, the gold medal game featured Team Ontario taking on British Columbia. While the bronze medal game was a pitcher's duel, the gold medal game was all about offense. BC opened up with a five-run lead in the top of the first inning. Ontario was quick to respond with three runs of their own in the bottom of the first, followed by four more in the bottom of the second. BC regained the lead in the top of the third with three runs, holding a slim 8-7 lead. In the bottom of the sixth, a seesaw battle would end up in Ontario's favour as they scored four runs. Tying and winning runs were produced by back-to-back triples, with Braden Ricketts of Ontario driving in the game-winning run. Ricketts would go on to win the award as the game's MVP as his night ended off with three hits, two runs scored, and a pair of RBIs. Despite trailing early, He said that Ontario did not lose faith.
12: They jumped up early, but I mean, we just tried to chip away the whole game, stay up, stay loud, um, and then we came through with the win.
4: Along with the gold medal, Ontario's Josiah Romeo was named the top defensive player of the tournament. He earned a pair of wins, including a complete game effort against Quebec during the semifinals. With the 2023 Baseball Canada Cup now in the books, teams and provinces can begin the anticipation for the 2024 edition of the tournament, which is scheduled to be held next year in Fort McMurray, Alberta.
1: Fort McMurray, Alberta, the home of the Fort McMurray Giants. And uh, yes, Baseball Canada Cup in the books, but the Little League World Series is just getting uh, rolling here. I mean, Canada getting set to uh, take on the Asian representative, I believe, on Thursday. Is it, yeah. Is it Blaine? Yeah. yeah, a team from Taiwan. Yeah, Yeah, Taiwan. So can't wait to see North Regina Little League represent our country. What uh, was scrolling through Facebook today Blaine or you were and saw this pop up on our memories Uh, I think it was last year maybe the year before I posted a picture of a bunch of my old game day programs and uh, then you kind of showed some of yours and it just you know it got me thinking man like we're we need the game day program back yes we need the game day program back I know it's like a money thing you know but you know, it it, it just, I'm, I'll tell you this. When I was a kid, I was about 50% looking forward to watching the game and about 50% looking forward to seeing who was going to be on the game day program when I got to the stadium with those people selling the programs outside Taylor Field. Like, it attracts young fans. And, the, and I know this is the digital era and stuff, but there's still a place for, you know, for print-type media, I feel like. And I would just love to see it being implemented once again in the Canadian Football League. uh, Across the National Football League, there's a number of teams that still do game day programs. I mean, the only encounters that I've had that don't is the New York Jets and New York Giants but I'll let you speak on that.
4: Yeah, who cares about them?
1: And who cares about <laughs> those guys? Yeah, and by the way, I
4: uh, shared it onto our sports our Sports Cage Facebook page, which is one of the few things you can actually share on Facebook these days. So if you want to check them out, I got some up there from uh some legendary names. Well, I say legendary. Let's go for the actual legendary names. I got one up there from Matt Dunigan when he played for the Argos, Doug Flutie with the BC Lions, Chris, well, Chris Walby with the Blue Bombers, yeah. <laughs> and then from our own Saskatchewan Roughriders, I got one up there from Kevin Mason. I think that was your first quarterback love, <laughs> yeah. For and some reason, Kd Williams, and he's got that old you know Ultimate War face paint on there. And I also got one up there with the Memphis Mad Dogs, like Kd Williams, Lamar McGriggs, nineteen ninety seven. They were quite the linebacker, and then they got traded. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, I agree with you. I always. My memories of going to the Rough Rider games back as a kid was getting those programs, reading it cover to cover, um, you know before the game. I always enjoyed the player profiles I always got a kick out of like, you know, their favorite cartoon character
1: and stuff yeah, like that. I love
4: that stuff man. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and I adults love. I love that stuff from a 31 year old man
4: And I know it's like yeah, we are in the digital age and people will say well click on this and you can find this But it's just something in front. It's just hanging on to it for the memories I mean you see these a lot of people these days are hanging and trading ticket stubs and we don't get that anymore. And I mean, I'm sure that's something you, I'd like to have ticket stubs back. Oh, I got, yeah. I got some. It's old- in the
1: same book as I have a, I have a. Uh, a binder full of all my ticket stubs before the era of the digital you this, know, QR code took over. Yeah, and same same boat as the game day program. All man. those old Rough Rider pictures
4: on those ticket stubs, It just yeah. it amazes me too how many on um, people online are bit like, so many people online will buy ticket stub for events they didn't go to.
1: Mm-hmm. I just get, I mean, I don't understand that part because the one thing about the game day program that's probably the most meaningful thing, the reason why I. Want it back is like these people they buy the game day program and it's like they have it in their hand and they think to themselves, you know, it says the date, you know, for example, you know, like August 15th, 2023, then it has a rider helmet. Versus whoever they're playing, that helmet. And then you have the big art on the cover. You have the date. You know, you have the venue. And then that's something that you can just be like, hey, you see this? I was there. And only people at the game could get these unless you buy it online or something. That's just, you know, very unique. And that's something that, you know, fans like. And I just feel like the game day program needs to come back. And I don't think we'll ever see the printed tickets come back.
0: No. Unfortunately, oh, no. <laughs> I think that's
1: well out the door. I think we're closer to getting the game day program back than the program. Here, I always said that there. Program. But uh no, that was awesome. That came up on the Facebook memories today. It was it definitely needed to come on the air on this Tuesday afternoon. And uh we are gonna hit the break because we have press coverage. With Glenn Suter on the other side, Glenn Suter getting set to call another week's worth of games, week eleven in the Canadian Football League. That's coming up next. You were listening to the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM.
13: Every time Saskatchewan gets in second and long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success and it's picked up.
0: Time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation.
1: And it is for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. CA Press coverage here with TSN's Glenn Suter. And Glenn, the last segment, me and uh, Blaine Wyland, we were talking about uh, game day programs. Remember the old game day programs? You go up to a game and they sell them outside the stadium. So we were, or Blaine was like, hey, you should ask Glenn if uh, he's ever been on the cover of a game day program. So I'll ask you, Glenn, do you have a game day program with Glenn Suter, Grace in the cover?
14: Well, I do. And it's uh, holding the gray cup above my head. Um, it was like week, week one or something of the next year after the 89 game. Wow. And yeah, yeah. That, no, I, that one's framed and it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, I want to be part of the solution here and in fact I have a um, a connection that is working with TSN right now his name is John Proberg and he does uh, magazines with he's a stats guy and he does a ton of stats and uh, puts together actually a magazine that he has uh, talked to or through me has talked to Amar Doman about and Mm -hmm. who is thinking thinking and considering uh, to put together these magazines. Maybe, maybe it doesn't start with every game singer. Like maybe, yeah. maybe it's sort of Labor Day or, or you break it into quarters, like the first three or four games. And yeah. then you do another yeah. three or four and then another one just to get started. But it has stats and, and bios and, you know, maybe even a fold out poster of, uh, player each time that a, ki- a kid who's 12, 10, and cr- you know, remember the old days we used to put posters yeah. up in our bedrooms yeah. of our favorite players and stuff. I, I know I had like a, I mean, I, I had a bunch of them and, and so I, I was listening to you guys thinking, you know, John Pearlberg's already onto this. He, he's producing them. He's manufacturing them. He's putting them together. He's publishing them. And, uh, he he, kind of sends it internally to us at TSN and some of the other guys in the league. But you know, maybe it's worth a meeting to uh, talk to the team and see if they're interested and what the cost could be. Like, let me ask you guys this: How much would you pay when you walk in the door for a game for a game day program, or would you want it to be part of your season ticket holder? Price.
1: I think I think like uh, five or six dollars is. I think six dollars is probably the the threshold. I think that's a. I think that's a fair price. No.
14: Huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. You know. I'm just. I'm wondering
1: because that's yeah. kind
14: of what it'll come down to, right? These things always come down yep. to how much does it cost to manufacture or to put together. I guess you don't manufacture a magazine, but how how much you how much does it cost to put together? How much does it cost to publish? And then once you know you're going to make. Uh, I don't know, twenty thousand copies of it. How much does that cost? And then, you know, how much, um, you know, how much is is left over for? I don't know. You donate to amateur football or whatever. But yeah. but it, I I think it's a fantastic. And you know, you could do is have the the online version, which you could download. Yeah. Or you can go and buy the hard magazine. Yeah. And. I, I love the idea. I, I think, you know, sort of a retro look for a Labor Day game would be super cool. <sighs> you know well, let's see if we can make this happen
1: yeah i love this conversation let's sit here all night and talk <laughs> hey i like you probably heard us talking glenn but that, like that was the best part one of the best parts of going to a game as a youngster i used to look forward to you know what the game day program looked like and all the fun details inside of it i think it, it i think it has its place still i think it uh you know it could serve to attract the the younger generation like you know we're always talking about doing
14: yeah, I, I, I agree. I I mean and why not if if cost wise it's not, you know, too too out of whack mm-hmm. then, you know, why not try different things, whether it's sort of a retro feel. You know, I had a stack of those. I, I'd go to games from Prince George when I was living in Prince George, it's about five hundred miles north of Vancouver, and I my dad would take me to one B C Lions game a year to see live and I would have that program And I would take that program and bring it back. We'd read it all the way back in the car. I'd save them all. I mean, I I still think I have programs with Jimmy Young and Jimmy Dirty 30 Young and uh, Jerry Taggy and Larry Key. And I mean, these were the BC Lions that were the stars then, and, and that's how I fell in love with the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hope it sees a comeback someday. I think it has its place. That's awesome, though, that possibly maybe something in the works. Maybe we'll see, Blaine Weiland. Don't get your hopes up, Blaine. We're in this together, my friend. Hey, uh, Glenn Suter here on the Western Pizza Hotline for press coverage. Well, I guess let's uh, talk about the news of the day. Glenn, uh, Victor Quee is out in Edmonton, and, uh, well, uh, I guess the floor is yours. This situation is uh, not ideal for obvious reasons.
14: no. No, I mean, this is a tough one because of the team, you know, and just what's going on with that team. I mean, it's just the, the losing the issues uh, that they're having. I I think they had, they have to not only do this, but probably more, Um, you know, it's almost like a complete rebuild, restructure, all of it. Now, Victor Kui is a great guy, a great person, a great businessman, Um, you know, but I, I start to think when when these kind of things happen, and I had a good conversation with Mister Quee about three weeks ago when we when they were in Ottawa, and I had I was doing the game in the in the East, and we sat down for about an hour and chatted, and I, you know, just a, a really bright businessman, and I'm not saying he didn't he didn't necessarily have. Uh, a whole bunch of knowledge on the game itself. I won't say that because he knows the game and he knows the sport, but he, you know, I, I think when I look back at, at, you know, throughout the years of presidents hire general managers who hire head coaches, your president has to understand the game of football not just sports in general many times we hire great businessmen in those in those positions we hire corporate guys we hire people that have a uh, background in sports marketing and i'm i'm putting the air quotes with my hands right mm-hmm. now um because because we think that the president is going to be you know talking to the corporate community, they're going to be selling tickets, they're going to be marketing the team. Yes, all of that is true. But in football, with extended injury lists, um, you know, the, the, the roster movement, and you, I think you need to know over the years just watching this, that you need to know as a president of the club, the dynamic of a locker room, the importance of getting the right head coach, you know, and I, you know, I'm not suggesting that Victor didn't have all of this. It's just, I'm, it's a bigger picture view of it.
2: Mm-hmm. When
14: when guys get fired, and I look back, and he goes, "Well, he was a good corporate guy," yeah, but he didn't, he didn't really know the dynamic of a football locker room. He didn't really know what is necessary in a great football coach, and that, to me, is what a president. It's a, t- it's a difficult job. It's a, it's a small group of people that are are sort of really qualified for that kind of job, especially in our game with the huge rosters, travel, injury lists, scouting. I mean, it's not its not a 15-player hockey team or 20-player hockey team or, or basketball team or even baseball team. This, this, is, this is 60, 70 men that have to work together, a coach that has to bring them together the president has to know all of that because he hires the gm the gm hires the coach you got you you know if you don't know the game inside and out there's going to be something missing down the road yeah. you can sell all the tickets you want out of the gate cuz you're a good marketing guy but your team has to be successful it has to it doesn't have to win every year zinger it just has to make your your fan base proud every year
1: And what do you make of uh, some of the comments that, uh, you know, we've been seeing on social media as far as, like, old employees of the Edmonton Elks, you know, uh, uh, allegedly they've, uh, you know, they weren't treated right? It's just, it's hard for me to, you know, talk about this because... All of my interactions with Victor Quia echoes basically what you said. It just seems like a, you know, like a great guy, you know, uh, love talking with him every yeah. single time I've talked with him. So I, I just, I can't relate to these people who are online saying these things, obviously, because I, I'm not an Emmett and Elks employee, but, uh, it's just an unfortunate situation. I don't know, uh, whether or not you want to comment on, on that side of thing.
14: Well, I, I don't really know the details of a lot of these accusations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if this is online trash, trashing of somebody, then I have zero time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are real problems or issues that have happened throughout his tenure and they are going to file charges or file uh, grievances within the company because of those yeah. uh, issues, then then let's see when they're officially filed. And what they exactly say. Other than that, I really have no time for just reading online that someone says something. Yeah. That that it you know what I mean. It, yeah. it just that that that's a rabbit hole that you can't
2: get out of.
1: No, I know you got you got to get me off Twitter, Glenn. You got to take my phone and delete <laughs> the app. Hey, uh, Glenn, we're gonna take a break, and then on the other side, if you don't mind, we'll talk about uh, the upcoming game here on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. Yes. All right. This is press coverage for Quality Tire here on the Western Pizza Hotline on this Tuesday inside the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team
0: like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620
1: CKRM. Press coverage with TSN's Glenn Suter here. Tuesday inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball, who is resting his vocal cords because he has a big game to call here. Sunday, the BC Lions coming into town. And Glenn Suter, uh, this is the first time we've chatted with you since uh, that debacle in Montreal uh, was not pretty. Uh I want to go inside the mind of a player. You were obviously a player. Take us inside the mind of Glenn Searter. What's it like in the locker room? What's it like, you know, the week after, you know, you get blown out on the field? I'm, You know, I'm guessing it might have happened a few times in your tenure with the Saskatchewan Roughriders. So just uh, take us through that. That wasn't a dig by yeah. the way I wasn't di- I'm not making fun of you I'm just stating facts no, no,
14: I, I I hear you but yes we um, we had some bad years especially early on in my first couple of years I think you know at times we won maybe two or three games uh, all season long and and often it was the Labor Day game and then one other uh, when we were really bad but um and you know when I say bad it was a, a, a whole a uh, group of very good football players that just were trying to come together and figure it out, and you know the the veteran balance, veteran rookie balance, all those things. But to answer your question, Zinger, it's it's awful. I mean, you know, if if you have the right lineup, if you have the right type of players in your locker room, they won't be able to sleep all week. They'll be staring at the ceiling. They'll be trying to do extra film work. They will be going in early. They will be working harder in the gym. They will be getting their treatments longer. And all of it is because, as an athlete, your mind says, what happened? How is that possible? How do I make sure it never happens again? So you have to then start putting together your list. And your list starts with, okay, well, I'm going to start by looking in the mirror. That's another um you know, aspect of having the right people in the room, because if they're pointing fingers then you got the wrong people, but if they're looking in the mirror, you got the right people and you're, and you're trying to say, okay, how can I get better? Make sure that I don't make the three mistakes that I made because I made three and eight of my teammates made three and that turned into a 41, what was it? 12 game or whatever Mm it was. And, you know, so, but it, it 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 makes you sick to your stomach it it you can't eat properly, you can't sleep right if you really care, and I know these guys do, they do and, you know there's no different than the old days. These guys care, they care about each other, they're trying to play for each other and win for each other and it, it It's really, really difficult, and the only thing that changes it is the next game
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
14: <laughs> that's that's yeah. all you've got to look for like let's get back on the field. And make this feeling go away and then once we do, it's it's you know, and you don't even have to win the game necessarily every time to make the feeling go away, you have to be fighting like you know you can, battling like you know you can, and then say, yeah, okay they, they, they won on the last second field goal, but, you know, we took the BC Lions, we had them on the ropes, and we, you know, one one fumble or something changed it all, but you know, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult. But you have to have the right guys. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have the right guys in the room. And I and I think the writers do, to be honest with you. I yeah, really
1: do. That, that's some that, that's some good perspective too. Because I think like uh, us fans, sometimes, uh, you know, we we kind of we kind of forget that these that these guys are human beings. They're just not robots playing football out there. So and and not saying back in your uh, your playing day, it, it it wouldn't be difficult. But even like fast forward to uh, this day and age Glenn with like social media and stuff I mean uh, can you you know put yourself in those shoes back in like say 1988, 1987 whatever and just think to yourself you know imagine if there was like a Twitter that you can go on after the game imagine if there was like you know uh, Facebook like these guys uh, on top of everything that you were dealing with Glenn back in your playing day like there's that and this Current day plus this social media aspect it's just uh, i can't wrap my head around that
14: yeah i know it's 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 difficult and and you know we even back then, without all of those things um, we had a sports psychologist in our eighty nine season
2: mm-hmm.
14: and a guy that was excellent with me and and a guy that was excellent with the team and 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 other guys individually as well that helped you compartmentalize all of the thoughts you're having and how to fight off self-doubt and how to be confident in the moment and how to continue to work on mental reps. It's kind of like, you know, I think of it sometimes as when you want bigger arms, you do a lot of curls. Well, all Mm -hmm. of those reps doing curls with a dumbbell make your muscles in your arms stronger and that makes them bigger. Well, it's the same, I think, with your mind. and, And it's about, you know, not just forgetting about the loss. You know, they go out in Montreal and it just wasn't happening. It didn't happen. But learn from it and then use the mental reps to strengthen your mind for the next time you get a chance to step on that field because you can't take it for granted ever. Um, and and you only get so many chances to go out there and win. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll see a bounce back game. Now they've got a a, a very difficult opponent. And Vernon Adams looked fantastic last weekend.
1: Yeah, press coverage with Glenn Suter here. Uh, For quality tire on the Western Pizza Hotline, we have about three minutes left, Glenn. So let's uh, dive into this game Sunday. I personally think it's going to be a competitive game. I mean on the on the wager lines, I'm not big into like betting and stuff, but I saw that the Riders are seven and a half point underdogs for whatever that's worth. But uh, so a lot of people counting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders out in this game. Uh, You know, I guess it it's fair in a way coming off you know that uh, bad loss versus Montreal. But I think this is going to be a competitive football game.
14: Well, I I think it can be um, if because the Riders have a very good defense. Now you know you go back to last week and you'll say, well, what happened with the run stopping ability yeah. and all of that? But um, you know, again, I think you, you if you look at their season, you would rank the Saskatchewan defense at a very high level. You'd say they're a very good defense and defense that you can win with. So. That's where it starts, because, you know, in order to get Jake Dologala or or whoever, I know Mason is, what, probably a couple weeks, Um, but, you know, whomever's playing quarterback, they're going to be young, and you need to give them some time, give them some short fields, you know, play aggressively. You know, I I think it's time, this is just me from the outside watching, right, and not knowing all of the play calls and things like that in the moment, but... I think the the rider's got to cut it loose a little bit. Just just go out there and start slinging it a little deep uh, offensively. Start blitzing a little bit more. Go after them. Like, Mm -hmm. attack, 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 rather than sort of go in strategically trying to, you know, win. Just have some fun and go attack them. Go attack the BC Lions and Vernon Adams. You know, make them make great plays under pressure.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. What's uh, your game list looking like uh, this week, Lana? I always like to ask you this. I like to know ahead of time. Yeah, but... I
14: know. I know. I have I usually have two a week, but somehow this week I'm only in Regina. So I I get a chance to head into Regina, one game only. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Cuz you know, you usually have four charts on the plane all spread out all over the place. Yeah.
1: Try Just one one game for moves. Glenn? Well, that doesn't yeah, happen often, day, does it?
14: This weekend. Yeah. Yeah, but I but I love the matchup and I love, you know, that I'm going to be in Mosaic with a huge crowd and ton of fun and again, a very good BC Lions team that's exciting. You you know, the the Riders defensively have got to attack and they can't give up the over the top you know, 40, 50 yarders that the Lions seem to be pretty
1: good at. Yeah. Hey, this has been a fun chat today, Glenn. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks for uh, the time. Thank you, Michael. That's uh, Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline, and uh, that is going to put a bow on today's show. And it was a fun one today. If you missed any of today's show, we can uh, go back and listen to it on demand for the – uh, wherever you find your podcast, I was going to say our old sponsor of the podcast there, uh, Blaine. It's carved in my mind. But no. <involving> but <laughs> <Mainly people> <curb baling> <picious> <"space> Fail. Time to go home, Zinger. You suck. No, it's uh, it's been a fun show today. Uh, we've had Glenn Suter there. We've had a lot of. Uh, interesting conversations. Uh, Scott McCauley, the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, or there, there's another uh, mess up. The head coach of the Regina <laughs> Thunder. It's time for me to get some food in my belly, Blaine. Huh? It's, yeah, absolutely, it, it's supper time. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting, uh, it's getting about that time. And uh, Ryder Varga, linebacker of the BC Lions, former University of Regina Ram, uh, joined us as well to kick off hour three. So that puts a bow on Tuesday's show. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Inside the sports cage. We'll talk to you then.